Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hello, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr. I'm joined with Eon. Hi, this is Eon, and you can find me at Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And Chicky. Hey, this is Chicky. I am Chickren on Tumblr. Uh, Whitey. Hi, this is Whitey, and you can find me at Yellow Delaney on Tumblr. And guesting with us today is Jess. Hi, this is Jess, and you can find me at Joyce Follies on Tumblr. Um, so Yay. we... Yay, thank you for coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> we you. are covering Game of Thrones Season 2, Episode 7. And as always, we will be spoiling books and show. Um, there is rape discussion within this podcast, so if that's a trigger, you might want to dip out. And guess what? Guess what? 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 This is our 50th episode. That oh my god! Amazing. <laughs> this what? is brand new information. Come on, Whitey. I'm so good to say that. You slipped. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, it is amazing. Like 50 episodes, you guys. Can you believe? I just, I can't believe. I, that. I can't. I can't believe it. And what a good I episode! What was that, Chicky? I said I can't believe I've been able to stand you guys this long. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Are you where's, where's my diamond? <laughs> Or should it's I die? Robin. It's our 50th episode. <laughs> it's in the mail. I know, it's in the mail. <laughs> I was going to say, what a great episode for our 50th as well. There's uh, our first Jamie and Brienne action in this episode, which we're all very excited about. The birth, yeah. The birth of this obsession. The birth, the birth of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah, 50 episodes feels like 350 <laughs> <laughs> get out. Oh, no. I have this episode to moderate, then I'll get out. <laughs> yes, please stay. All right. Okay. Uh, so, Theon, he awakes to an empty bed and several escape prisoners. Um, he's pissed at his guards for letting them uh, escape. Uh, the fat Baldwin points out the wildling woman was fucking, that he was fucking is also gone. Um, Theon kicks the crap out of that guy. Uh, with horses and hounds, they search for the boys. Theon tells Lewin he'll hurt them if he finds them, not kill them. Theon is convinced Yara, Asha, whatever, will get to Winterfell before Rob's army. 500 can withhold, um, stand against 10,000 men, Ned had always said. And, uh, Theon's so boy mode. It's all just a game. Bran, Osha, oh, we can discuss this before we go on to this next scene, if you have anything you want to say. I don't really have a huge amount to say about this scene. Um, but there's Theon in this scene. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I mean, it was like relying on YD. To cover I'm this. sorry. I, I feel like you paused on purpose just to give me a chance to like express my feelings. Hey, hey, if it's Theon or horses, I know when to pause. <laughs> you know when to do it. You know where to put it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, look. 
it's just Theon being Theon. He makes it really hard to sympathise with him sometimes, but, you know, that's what makes him so great. Shades of grey, you know? Mm-hmm. We love that kind of thing. Yep. Okay, and then we have Bran, Osha, Rickon, and Hodor, and they have not been found. They come across a farm. Rickon wants to go there. Um, he sees those two little boys that uh, Bran sent to this farm. And Bran doesn't want to endanger this family, so he's against that I got a idea. good feeling about those two little boys. Yeah, they're sweet, aren't they? Ooh. Yeah. I feel uh, long, happy lives. Yep. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's move to the north. <laughs> so, uh, John awakens with his arms around Ygritte, and uh, she asks him if he pulled a knife on her in the night. So John <laughs> rolls away. <laughs> Ygritte rightly identifies John as a virgin. John is less than thrilled um, with her goading. Ygritte can't stop talking about John's balls. She asks him if it's uh, if the lads of the Night's Watch just do it with each other, and then she asks if they have sheep. Oh, she's like, oh, so just hands then. <laughs> she was hilarious <laughs> with this dialogue. Uh, John tells her to shut up. They start arguing uh, land rights and lineage, and John's saying how his, you know, he, his, he starts arguing about his lineage, and he's Ned's son. First men, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Ygritte asks him, so why are you fighting us if this is his land too? And that's uh, that's it for that with John and Ygritte. I love how invested you are in John's storyline. It's like, blah, and then blah, John blah. Said, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll try harder. Why doesn't anyone love John? God. I love John. God I damn it. You know what I love? The scenery of this. God, it's fucking beautiful, beautiful where they are. Yes. Yeah. 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 Are you fucking kidding me? You're going to say that to me? <laughs> Do you know the winter I've been through? <laughs> oh, sorry. I disagree. I hate snow. <laughs> Look, some of us come from the land of no snow, okay? It's, I don't think... It's, I don't, I don't, it's, it's magical. I don't think I've ever had such an emotionally charged reaction to anything anyone's ever said on this podcast than that right there. <laughs> Not the time Chiki accused you of being a pedophile. Well, maybe that too. I remember that. I am not, and winter sucks. Okay, you know what also sucks? Heron Hall. <laughs> so uh, Tywin, <laughs> Tywin thinks um, that dart was meant for him. Um, he's with the mountain, and outside you see these people being tortured for information. They're trying to get names. Uh, the mountain thinks it's the Brotherhood. Uh, Tywin orders the mountain to burn the villages and burn the farms. He also orders... See, that's- that's the tie when I know. Burn the villages, burn the farms, let them know what it's like to choose the right side. For that, people. Yes. That, that is the tie when I know. That one moment. <laughs> and then he slips yes. back into sweet, kind, grandpappy oh, Tywin. <laughs> so Tywin. Muffin, really. Yep. Tywin orders Arya to sit down and eat her cookies. No. Um, he orders her to sit down and eat. <laughs> Once that he baked for her. <laughs> yeah. He says, this will be my last war. Arya stares at his neck, and she's got a knife in her hand. Um, we get a bit of his history, uh, the history at Harrenhal. Um, it's the tallest towers, thickest walls. Um, nothing was to, you know, knock them down, but then they could not stand against dragon fire. Arya shares her knowledge of Targaryens. Um, Tywin is impressed with her and her knowledge of the history. And then we get that line... Well, he also says that she reminds him of Cersei, and then we get that fucking annoying line um, that most girls are idiots. 
this scene is just so indulgent. It's just more of the same of, of what we've seen in the last two or three episodes. You know, this, as you say, this is like Grandpa Tywin coming out to play. He's, oh, God, he's even smiling at her as she kind yeah. of, you know, waxes poetic about Rhaenys and Visenya riding their dragons to combat. He's looking at her in this almost affectionate way. It's just, ah. <laughs> and... Last week, you know, Con was talking about how Tywin may just see Arya as a sounding board. You know, as I think she said someone less than human. She could be an inanimate object for all he cares. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't get that at all. Here we have her, have him kind of looking at her almost adoringly. He's laughing at her tenacity. He's telling her, oh, you remind me of my daughter. <laughs> you know, Tywin Lannister, think about that for a minute. Telling his cupbearer that she reminds him of his daughter. Can you imagine how stressed Cersei would be? Lannister, the Queen Regent. Letting her eat at his table, eat his food too. He well, you like know, everything I understand because I feel like after the the well, he thinks there's been an attempt on his life. He may yeah. be wanting someone to test the food for him, so I can understand the food thing. But everything else, no, just no. I'm sorry, comma. Yeah, I was expecting him to start, like, patting his lap so that she can come, like, sit on his lap or something. <laughs> something just took a creepy turn. <laughs> sit on grandpappy's lap. Now you're just teasing Kama. She's not here to enjoy that idea. I'm sorry, Kama. I mean, in another show, in another movie or something, these would be really cool scenes. It's not that they aren't what? cool, it's just know anything about Tywin. Yeah. Who is this? I mean, I said that last week or whenever. Mm. You know, Charles Dance and Maisie Williams have this amazing chemistry. And they're actually, if I knew nothing about Tywin, I would find these scenes really, really fun to watch. But unfortunately, I've read the books. And that does seem to be a recurring theme throughout this this (laughs) season. I guess if, if I was, like, a huge fan of either of these characters, I would probably be more, like, outraged by the characterization. But I guess because I'm not, I'm I'm kind of able to just compartmentalize it. This is book, that, that show. But, yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of what you have to do, because otherwise we wouldn't be watching this show at all. Uh, true. <laughs> no, I can't do it. I, some, I was going to say, some things some. are easier to compartmentalize than others. For Chicky, this is not one of those things. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, for me either. I'm not, yeah, these scenes I just kind of bright off. Yeah. Me, I don't care. And let's see. So Sansa, um, with her, she thanks the Hound. She runs into him in the hallway and calls him brave. The Hound calls the men who attacked her rats, and there's nothing to be brave about. He also says he likes killing people. Ned killed people. Sansa protests that it was his duty, um... The hound says he lied. Killing is the sweetest thing there is. She calls him hateful. And uh, he says she'll love the hateful things one day when he is all there is that stands between her and Joffrey. It's a quick little exchange. Oh, God. The sand sand shippers must love that scene, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just as like, yep, I'm here for that. <laughs> I mean, I ship it, but I just don't ship it on the show. Yeah, I, I can't get into it. it. I don't mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I ship it. I don't show ship it because he looks like he's about 30 years old. <laughs> well, he's like yeah. old enough to be her grandfather in this Come show. Come and grandpappy. Oh, oh, here we go again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing a theme to this podcast. 
It's all about grandpappy tonight. Number 50, grandpappy. <laughs> we are we are 50. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Okay, so the next scene is of uh, Danny and Zaro. Zaro thinks that it's one of the 13 that has abducted her dragons. Um, he tells her, we will get them back. Danny does not like that. There is no we. Um, he wants to save face, and she's not hearing it. She storms off. You know, I don't. Oh god! Yeah, Danny's really turning on the petulant teenage charm in this scene, isn't she? She's all like, "I don't care where you've been. Give me boats and dragons." Yeah, big time, big time. I don't really have anything to say about the scene except I, it had some great ambient sounds. There was like birds and frogs. <laughs> the lighting was good. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. I feel like they made her outfit look more like armor because she's like, you know, ready to. Oh, like, I actually like that outfit. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, I like that. I but... that they changed her ar- like her outfit. Yeah. So are the, what do you call that? Like a filigree or something? I don't know what that is. Her, yeah, the metal thing. So mm-hmm. the ambient sound was good. The costuming was good. <laughs> All right. Well, okay, let's move on. Yeah, there's nothing bad to say, so let's uh, let's end on a positive note. Oh. That's good. Okay, so uh, Ygritte, um, she's spitting some truths out at John and uh, the, his society's rules. Um, she tells him that they chose Mance as their leader. Uh, she also tells John that he could be free as well and tempts him with the idea of a cabin in the woods and a woman to lie with. Um, she mm. tells him she can teach him what, what to do and... Uh, he said he he already knows, and uh, we get our first. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Yeah, I I I really like this. I really enjoy Rose Leslie as Ygritte, and I I right? like. I think the chemistry mm-hmm. between her and Kit is really fantastic. And here, I really like how she's using her feminine wiles to distract Jon, and it's working big time. You know, <laughs> I like these moments where we're reminded that despite all his honour and the fact that he's a capable fighter. John is still a teenage boy, a currently very horny teenage boy. (laughs) He knows where to put it, you guys. (laughs) He knows nothing. Yeah, I totally agree. This role could have gone so far awry in in the wrong person's hands, but Rose Leslie is just perfect. Like, she just hits all those really great... I don't know what the what the term for it is, but she manages to be really feisty without being obnoxious, which is mm-hmm. a really fine line to walk. And uh, she yeah. does such a good job. I think yeah. I'd had yeah. it very down as her being playful, which I think is, fair. is fairly accurate. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I want to say, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, weren't they dating at this time? I think so. They I dated? I don't know if this early on, but they certainly were. Yeah, they may not have been dating at this point. Who knows? But they were so dated later. <laughs> this is, like, yeah. no, seriously, this is brand new information to me. I didn't know they dated. <laughs> you didn't know that they did. Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie dated? Uh-uh. Yeah, they did. Oh, that's adorable. Are they still dating? I don't know that they ever well, really confirmed that in an interview, but it was pretty clear that they hmm. were dating. I don't know that they're still dating. I... <laughs> Like, no, I don't like that I know this, but um, I don't think know. That they may have gotten back together at one point. I don't know what their current status is. Is this turning into like entertainment tonight? All of a sudden, <laughs> right? <laughs> Next up, we discuss so Kim Kardashian's latest outfit. <laughs> it had nice filigree. No, it's her haircut. It's her hairstyle. It's not her outfit. It's her hair. <laughs> oh, right. yeah, she's gone platinum blonde. Oh, god, yeah, guys. Much. 
No, we're not talking about Kim Kardashian's hairdo. We're talking about Rob and how he's received this message from Cersei from uh, Sir Elton Lannister. Um, she tore in half. Rob tells Elton he's acted with honor, thanks him, and asks that he be fed and taken to a cell. They are all full up on prisoners. Elton is ordered to be put in with Jamie. Uh, Talisa pops in. She's in her work clothes, bloody aprons, and all that. Uh, she requests medicines and supplies for the injured. Rob invites her to go with him to the crag. She can ask the maester there for supplies. Dun, dun, dun. Did anyone notice that look that Ro- Roos gave to Lisa and then he looks back at Rob? Yeah, Roos knows what's up. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> little Rob. <laughs> well, I mean, Talisa basically has, like, a neon sign over her head, like, Rob's love interest, so, I mean, how- everybody has to know. Everyone knows what's up. Right. Yep. Uh, we go back to Theon and his search party. They arrive at the farmhouse. Um, they've lost the scent, and Theon is super pissed. He's mean to Lewin, then kicks the crap out of the farmer. He's interrupted by his first anchor, who tells him to send Lewin home after they come across some nutshells. Yeah, I'm confused. How did they know that those nuts were Rickons? Is <laughs> <laughs> known for eating nuts? Or? <laughs> well, everybody knows Rickon loves nuts. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, he was crushing them earlier, right? He was. He was. Them. How, I mean, how did they know? That I don't they know. know. In the books, they found a wolf's head brooch, which makes a lot more sense than just some random yeah. nuts. Yeah, maybe a scene got, like, cut that Rickon was, like, eating a bunch of nuts. And, like, I don't know. <laughs> in front of Theon. <laughs> they should have left that in if that was the case. <laughs> okay, uh, so Jorah arrives at Danny's quarters. Uh, she tells him Eerie is dead and there's no sign of Doria. Uh, Jorah blames himself. He should not have left her alone with these people. They cannot be trusted. And she asks him, well, who can I trust? I agree. I agree, Jora. You should not have left her alone with these people. What were That's, you thinking? Also, where's our fucking kiss? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Danny wanted some boats, so he wanted to go find her some boats. Right, right. Yeah. Did she order him away, or did he volunteer to go? I can't even remember. I don't even remember either. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Anyway, she <clears throat> mentions her family, the Targaryens, and how her brother would have allowed her to be raped by thousand Dothraki. Uh, she mentions the Dothraki and how most of them turned against her. Jorah asks her to trust him, and then he attempts to comfort her, and Danny does not like that. He backs off and asks her how he can help find my dragons. Mm. That's the end of that. And then we go back to John and Yagrit. She taunts him. He doesn't know where he's going. Uh, mocks his boner some more. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she alludes to a story about them uh, doing it. Like if, you know, it's your word against mine kind of thing. And she has this great line where she's like, now I can never marry a perfume lord. But my poor father line. say. <laughs> <laughs> she does that so well. I... <laughs> I think this is where I had the note about her being playful. Um, what did she say? He ruined me. The shame of it. No, I can never marry a perfumed lord. Oh. Yeah, it's so good. So well done. Um, he tells her to turn back around because he's getting super uncomfortable. Um, she notices how he can't even talk about sex without blushing. 
Ygritte propositions him, and now John looks really, really uncomfortable. Ygritte gets too close, backs off when he puts his hand on the hilt of his sword. She trips him with the rope and runs away. He gives chase, she disappears behind a hill, there's a whistle, and then Ygritte is looking down at him from another hill with two more wildlings, and there are several more mm. surrounding them. So I had to rewatch Ygritte's escape, because how on earth did she just manage to to run off like that. And I looked and apparently she just kind of yanks the rope from John's hands. Like that's some secure rope holding <laughs> yeah. John's snow. <laughs> you really do know nothing. <laughs> I don't know if the impression is supposed to be she was waiting until the right moment to run away. I'm not really sure. It did seem like she could have done it the whole time. I don't know what the... <laughs> See, <laughs> what I thought she tripped there. him somehow, like tangled his legs up in it. No, I, seriously, she literally just kind of pulls and spins away from him, and the rope comes away from his hand. And then he flips and falls. Yeah. I don't exactly know. exactly how I used to lose <laughs> balloons when I was a little kid. Well, you know what? I, get away. I fell just walking to my car on my, <laughs> my driveway this morning, so I'm going to defend Johnny. <laughs> Ice is slippery, okay? <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, Sansa is having nightmares about being attacked. When she pulls the sheets up, she's had her first period. She immediately tries um, to cut out the blood out of the sheets, and then Shay comes in. Together, they try to flip the mattress over when the other handmaiden strolls in. Um, they make eye contact, and the handmaiden leaves. Shay chases after her. Um, Shay pulls a knife out on the girl, holds it to her neck, and tells her she'll say nothing. When Shay returns to Sansa's room, the hound is there, and San. Oh, so that's it. Yeah, hound's there. Man, are I we sure? Are we a hundred percent sure that she just started her period and that she didn't just like nick like an artery in her inner thigh or uh, something? How much blood? Was so, was much blood. <laughs> so much. <laughs> that explains why. That explains why she was so frantically trying to try to hide it. I don't even know. You know what's funny though? In the book, it's even more frenzied. Like she actually takes all her clothing and bedding and sets them on fire, and then yeah, she right. notices oh, yeah. that the mattress is also stained, so she actually yanks it off the bed. And it says that she has the mattress half in the fire before her mate died. So I'm kind of a little disappointed when you get to see that hilarity. But uh, honestly, I this is I feel so bad for Sandra to see it. I mean, imagine having to. uh, What's she doing? She's she's reliving her almost rape in the form of a nightmare. Then she wakes up to find out that she started menstruating. So, you know, now she can marry her sociopathic fiancé and have his babies. And then, just when you think your secret is safe for a bit, in comes the hound. Like, the hound of all people now knows that you started your period. (laughs) Yeah, that was weird. Why the hell was he there? Where did he come from? Did he just hang around outside her chamber, just, like, waiting? uh, I don't know. And then... You have to endure Cersei sitting you down and telling you about the birds <sighs> and the bees. <laughs> Worst morning I ever. do love, though, I love the way that they, I mean, I shouldn't say love. It's hard to watch now. But I did love the way that they developed the Shay and Sansa friendship here. And, you know, like how they're, you know, slowly really becoming true confidants and stuff. And, and it was really, it was a really cool thing that they were doing before they killed it. But yeah, it was really neat in this scene. Before they killed Shay and... Yeah. Everything else, yeah. Anyway, poor, poor Salsa. <laughs> yeah, so as you poor mentioned, Salsa. 
Selsa goes to Cersei, <laughs> and they talk periods and birthing children. Um, Robert was not present when Joffrey was born or any of their children. He'd go hunting instead, but Jaime was there. Cersei tells her you may not love the king, but he w- you will love his children. Sansa says she loves Joffrey with all her heart. Um, and then Cersei says, the more people you love, the weaker you are. Love no one but your children. And then she, uh, Sansa asks, shouldn't I love Joffrey? Cersei says, you can try. That's it. I hate this scene. <laughs> I barely recognize Cersei in this scene. Not only is she overcritical of Joffrey, but she is overly kind to Sansa, neither of which happens in the books. Uh-huh. Um, in the books, uh, Cersei does say Joffrey's always been difficult, but that was pretty much the extent of her Joff negativity. Um, and she does also say that Sansa, uh, she says to her that Joffrey will show her no devotion, but she then goes on to blame that on Arya and what happened at the Trident, um, saying that Arya shames Joffrey. So, you know, Sansa, you pretty much deserve what you get. So in the show scene, Cersei's basically saying to Sansa, yeah, Joff's a monster and you'll never love him. And I totally understand why. In fact, I empathize with you, little dove. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I don't know. I, I recently reread the book scene and that's probably why it's, it's sticking in my mind. But mm-hmm. what's really funny is the book scene and the show scene are actually very similar in terms of dialogue. But if you watch the show scene and then read the book scene, you'll see that what they've done is essentially removed all the venom from Cersei. Uh, because in the book, I'll give you some examples. When Sansa says she loves Joffrey with all her heart, Cersei tells her she better learn some new lies. Uh, when Sansa says everyone wants to be loved in the book, Cersei says, I see flowering hasn't made you any brighter. <laughs> you know, it's these little things that they leave out that tear away the essence of Cersei's character. It's really frustrating. Um, and this scene is just a prime example of how they've softened Cersei's character to what end I don't know. Why do you think they've chosen that path with her character? Any theories? I mean, I feel like they, I feel like they struggle a little bit with, with shades of grey. And I also feel like perhaps they're trying to make Cersei more sympathetic. I'm not entirely sure why though. Why do they Mm. feel that this audience won't accept the Cersei as she is (laughs) in the books? Yeah. I don't know if it's just because of Lena, just because they like the mm. way that Lena was taking the character that they just started writing toward it, maybe. Maybe. It's hard to know. I mean, you know, this is a Cersei thing. It's a very Lannister thing to give uh, good advice. Um, they all do this thing where they will give people advice, you know, regardless of if they care about the person they're giving advice to. They they do do this thing. But, yeah, it's all in the delivery. It's <laughs> It's just not really Cersei the way that she's doing this. I mean, you know, you really kind of hate Cersei from Sansa's chapters with good reason because Cersei is just... Mm-hmm. awful to Sansa in almost every turn. You know, I mean, even even something that it seems like, you know, you're like, well, this doesn't have to be a bad thing, but Cersei will find a way to get a dig in at Sansa on, exactly. in almost every scene that they have together. Yeah, exactly. I have no issue with her giving Sansa advice. It's the way that she gave it to her, the way she was... I mean, it really seemed to me like she was empathizing with her, like truly, genuinely feeling for Sansa, which is so completely removed from the Cersei of the books that it's, it's bordering on ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, let's uh, go to Jamie's scene next then. We have uh, Jamie in chains and he's conversing with Alvin. Uh, Jamie's trying to figure out how they are related and apparently it's fat Cinda Lannister. Um, 
Alton tells him he squired for Jamie at Willem Frey's wedding. Alton's fanboying pretty hard on Jamie. <laughs> Jamie compliments Alton on his knowing on when to go away. Alton for, um, oh god, my notes. <laughs> Alright, Alton fanboy some more. Uh, Jamie shares the story on how he had to subsquire. I didn't know how else to phrase that for Barristan Selmy once at 16, um, when they were fighting against the Kingswood outlaws. Jamie calls Barristan a painter. Then, uh, it's his turn to fanboy about Barristan a little bit. Uh, they're getting very chummy. Jamie does not like being a prisoner, and Alton wants to help him. They get a closer yet, and Jamie tells Alton he'll only have to do one thing to help him, and that's die. He headbutts him and beats Alton to death. Jamie feigns death. The jailer comes in to investigate, turns Alton over, and Jamie jumps up behind the man and strangles him, takes the keys, and escapes. Apparently. Doesn't really show him escaping, but that's what we have to see. Oh, God, I hate God. this scene. I hate oh, yeah, this, scene. this is like one of those scenes that I try to just forget about. It's awful. Yeah, block yeah. it out. It's awful. Well, I can understand, well, as much as I can, the rationale the showrunners had or the writer had, I guess, in including this. And, you know, it's been a while since we've seen Jamie. They wanted to run behind the audience that Jamie's not a good guy. And I think it also, you know, kind of strength, strengthens the impetus for Catelyn to release Jamie because, you know, as Bryn was saying, he's not going to last a night, the night with Karstark and his men wanting to get their vengeance on. But to have Jamie kill his cousin, uh, <laughs> and it's not just that, it's the way that he goes about it. Yeah. It's this, mm-hmm. this sly, almost sociopathic game playing yes, that he does exactly. to get Elton to go to him. This is not how Jamie works. And if you watch um, the inside of the episode with uh, David Benioff, he actually says, he actually confirms from the moment Elton stepped into that cell, Jamie knows what he's going to do. So Jamie is sitting there, um, you know, bonding with this kid, knowing all the while that he's doing it so that he can murder him, which is so, <laughs> it's just not Jamie. You know, he's got his own code of honour. Um, when it comes to battle and, and killing. And what we know from Jamie is that he loads tricks and underhanded behaviour to get the upper hand. This is evidenced multiple times throughout his book chapters. You know, we know about his distaste of archers, his preference for hand-to-hand, face-to-face combat. And it's even part of show canon. I mean, if you go back to season one, Jamie didn't finish off Ned because... His man had already stabbed him from behind and Jamie says to Tywin, you know, it wouldn't have been a clean kill. This kind of thing is so important to Jamie. It's just, ah, <laughs> I've got more things to say, but I don't know if anyone else wanted to, to hop in. Anyone? <laughs> I think you pretty much covered it. I mean, I think it's just yeah. a fundamental, they have a few fundamental just misreads on Jamie and this is one of them because they'll actually kind of revisit this in, um, season three when he steals the sword from Brienne and he uses this kind of subterfuge again. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you read Jamie's chapters, Jamie hates this kind of thing exactly like White he just said. Yeah. He hates this sort of deception. It's like when he takes the sword from Brienne, he isn't like, deceiving her he just reaches for it and grabs it like there's no you know there's no you know cozening her or anything and so this is just it's just one of those things where they needed to to come up with a reason that he escaped and and that he was about to be killed and this was what they came up with i think and it just it really doesn't match his book character but as we'll we'll see that 
that's kind of an ongoing thing with, with show Jamie. So yeah, and if you watch at uh, the inside the episode, you actually do see uh, how how much David Benioff and you know presumably the rest of the writers just misunderstand Jamie as a character. You've got Benioff talking about how the real Jamie isn't the good-looking, charming rogue. He says, and I quote. He's a monster. He's a beast. And this is what he loves to do, which is... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you know, it's really crazy. concerning, you know. And as I said, he's, he's basically indicating that Jamie's waiting for the perfect moment to beat his cousin to death, which to me really demonstrates the ignorance of the showrunners when it comes to just how complex Jamie is and, and let's face it, several of the other characters as well. You know, Jamie's not a good guy. We know that. But to call him a monster, you know, he's not a monster. He's not a remorseless killing machine. And another interesting thing is, you know, in the books, we've got George. He kind of goes out of his way to show that Jamie is also not a proponent of senseless violence and killing, you know. I mean, the show seems to have ignored the fact that Jamie actually does have his own code of honour and, they just make him violate that over and over again. You know, we see it in this episode with the murder of Alton and we see it with the unintentional rape of Cersei in season four. And then we see it again with Jamie disregarding his King's card vows in, in episode 10 of season four. You know, but uh, what can I say? It's a fundamental misread. What I mean, can they I say? just they don't, don't get they, Jamie. They just, yeah. you know, I mean. They got him confused with Ramsey Snow. Yeah, Ramsey is a monster, you know. The mountain is a monster. Jamie's not a monster. And, you know, it's, it's beyond troubling that the writers of the show think that he is. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's summarized well all the problems with that scene, and there are a lot. Uh, let's go to Jorah. Um, Jorah walks up, uh, sorry, walks up to some naked dude getting painted in blood by, um, is it Quaith? How do you say that? Yeah. He's getting painted up for his trip to, he's, apparently he's going to travel near old Valyria. Um, she knows he's looking for Danny's dragons and Quaith asks, uh, or says, you love her. Jorah neither confirms or denies. <laughs> she asks if he would ever betray <laughs> her again. He says, never. Uh, she tells him the thief he seeks is with her now. Uh, we'll go to Zaro. Uh, Zaro has called the other 13 to his place. Danny begs for her dragon, dragons, and she says without her, they will die. Uh, the Spice King says it will be for the best. The Warlock calls him cruel and tells her he will take her to them. Uh, the Warlock admits he has them and that he had made an arrangement with the King of Karth. There is no king of Karth, she says, and Zara rises. There is now. Uh, looks like a revolution. Uh, the Spice King is not impressed. Uh, three dragons the size of cats and a charlatan. Uh, the warlock says the mother of dragons will be with her dragons. <laughs> so they all, um, they, the guards all along the back of the wall step forward and slit the throats of the other, um, I guess, 11. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good trick. Uh, the guards are actually all the little warlock. Danny tries to escape. She is blocked by one of the warlock's apparitions. Jorah stabs him. The warlock invites her to the house of the undying. Jorah, Kavar, and Danny escape. Okay, can we back up a minute to the, the Quaith and Jorah scene? 
Mm-hmm. Do you think mm-hmm. that the show intended to do more with Quaithe when they I were writing know. this? That is a fucking good question. Yeah. I I what? hope so because otherwise that scene is <laughs> kind of I mean I just don't know why it's there. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. really think they did. And you know, I've seen theories about the guy that she was painting. A lot of people theorize that that was Euron Greyjoy. He was on You're that kidding, table when really? she was. Yes. Oh wow! And isn't quite I've never to heard time traveling, Danny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess this would disprove that theory. <laughs> it, it, yeah, the whole thing reeks like all of her appearances reeks of setup, 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 yeah. and there's yeah. been no delivery. Yeah, exactly. Yet. It's like it. It feels like something that you're going to revisit, and then they just haven't. I mean, maybe they'll hit it this season. I don't know. We yeah, haven't well, had any. Maybe they will. Of- maybe they won't. It seems like the show has no difficulties just dropping. Uh, st- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They but they did set this up to go somewhere. It feels like to me. I Otherwise, it's just kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It just seems. It just seems random. Mm-hmm. Okay, so speaking of weird, this scene. I find it so bizarre that that Danny is able to just leave this. Council chamber or whatever, just because she's got Kavar and Jorah with her. her. I mean, like, right? yeah, like they just killed eleven dudes, and it's like they're surprised that she just runs away, and they just kind of let her go. Like, I yeah. don't get what's going on. I mean, and I assume that they and wanted to let her go I, because it's, I mean, it's, they want. Well, I mean, surely if they wanted to, her, how could they not have done that? I was gonna say, like, not well, just guess, you know, eleven. Go ahead, Ian. Go ahead. Well, you know, they have her dragons and they know that she's going to go there to get her dragons. So why not let her just leave on her free will? Because she's going to go to the house of the undying. Yeah. So why she... not at least kill her guards? I mean, like, it's weird. I, I find it odd. I, yeah. I watched, you know, it's just like, so they're this prepared for this. And yet they just let Danny run Here's... away. I, was, I don't know. When... Here's what I thought was weird. You have, like, uh, the other 11 are, like, the most powerful men in the city. And they don't have their own guards? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know what, I mean, the nature of Karth, I guess, is it's this kind of democratic, uh, safe haven where I guess everyone feels like they're probably safe and they've, the, the 11 or 12 or whatever, or 13, I think it is, have ruled together peacefully for however long. I, I don't know. They, I mean, yeah, it seems like a little bit of an oversight, but <laughs> I just feel like the scene just doesn't hold up to any sort of scrutiny. It, it was, I mean, you know, I've, I've kind of been trying to give Karth the benefit of the doubt because I, you know, the introduction was much better than I remembered mm-hmm. it being. But yeah, this, I was just like, I don't get what's going on. Yeah, it was a bit campy and yeah. kind of weird. I mean, that, that escape. Yeah, the only thing I can say is I found the scene suitably creepy. Um, that's about it. I did like, yeah, the, the bit with the warlock, like mm. multiplying and killing all he those guys. He continues to be, he, yeah, he continues to be interesting and works somehow. I don't know how. <laughs> You can't stop he's, watching him, right? Like when he's on. He yeah, <laughs> yeah. He draws the eye. <laughs> he sure does. The blue lipstick. <laughs> he was eating blue freezies. <laughs> okay. Uh, blue tinted teeth. <laughs> so, oh, this next scene, I'm sure we could all quote verbatim, but <laughs> it's Brienne. Um, she's playing bouncer for Catelyn. Uh, they have news that they've caught the Kingslayer. Jamie's being dragged out in chains and they're crying for him to be hung and, uh, justice for the Karstarks. Lord Karstark is held at bay by soldiers. He wants to get vengeance for his son, who of course was the, uh, guard. Catelyn arrives, tells Karstark there will be justice, but not here. Karstark isn't hearing it. Um, he questions Rob and going off with Talisa, calling her that foreign bitch. 
Brienne draws her sword, threatening Cat, uh, threatening Catelyn is treason. Catelyn tells Karstark, in the name of the king, her son, stand down. Karstark does, but promises he will demand Jamie's head. Jamie thanks Catelyn a bit pompously, and uh, Catelyn demands he be chained and gagged. How good is the chemistry between Nikolai and Michelle Fairley? They are. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could watch them forever, and I could watch Michelle Fairley forever. She can do no wrong in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love the scene where they're dragging Jamie back. Uh, like, he's Nikolai is so good at oh, this. Yeah. He's doing... He's really selling it. It's so Jamie. <laughs> Actually, one thing I will say, even about the previous scene, is I I think Nikolai does a really, really fantastic job in this episode. He's he's really come into his own, I think. I I would like Chicky had some issues with uh with his portrayal of Jamie early on, but yeah, I have no issues from here on out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's getting all yeah, he's great. I just I could go on and on, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Uh, Cersei and Tyrion are having a quiet night in. <laughs> Tyrion's reading a scroll. <laughs> Apparently Stannis's fleet has been spotted sailing north past Tarth with 200 ships. Um, they estimate it could be five days when he'll be in King's Landing. Cersei is confident in her walls and her wildfire. Uh, Tyrion can see that she's attempting to emulate Tywin. But Tywin isn't there. It's only Cersei, him, and Joffrey. He tells her Joffrey needs to start acting like a king, alludes that no one will want to protect a king they hate. Cersei brings up the horse that uh, Tyrion gave his gifts to Joffrey, and Tyrion admits that that was a mistake. Um, she can't control Joffrey, and she always hoped he'd be... Or she said she'd always hoped he'd be a little like Jamie, and then she says, oh, he looks like Jamie in a certain light. Tyrion says he's more like Robert. And she called Robert a drunken fool, but not cruel. She seems remorseful about her relations with Jamie at this point, wonders if she's being punished with uh, Joffrey by the gods. Tyrion calls Marcella and Tolman good and decent children. He moves closer. It looks like he wants to comfort her, and she's apprehensive and not digging that. So go ahead, tear into it. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys, you guys, though. I, you know what I just realized? I didn't want to interrupt a lot. Um, we didn't talk about the fact that Jamie and Brienne just saw each other for the first time. Oh my god! How did we skip over that? that? And that's criminal. Yeah. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Look <laughs> 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 at her. Look at her he in that look scene. At her. Oh, guys, he is, seriously, I don't want to use the word headcanon, but <laughs> even in this scene, I feel like he is just obsessed with the way that she looks like, you know, yeah. from the very first meeting. <laughs> with everything that's going on, he has time for a double take at Brienne. What? Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. So okay, anyway, I was just going to say, we pulled, a, we pulled a Robert. We went to the woods instead of with the birth of our ship. <laughs> <laughs> and brought it around full circle. I know, you know, I'm just over the sis. I mean, for me... Too much self-awareness. Uh, the confession to Tyrion. Uh, uh, to someone else would have a go. Well, for her to be remorseful, <laughs> like, about her relationship with Jamie, yeah. like, that is glaringly, like, not Cersei. I don't, uh, I don't know no. why. I just think. don't see, I don't see Cersei having this conversation with Tyrion yeah. at all. Well, she does have a little bit of a conversation like this with Tyrion, though, in the books, doesn't the, she? Yeah, she does. But yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And this, that, is that the scene where Tyrion... Oh. Here's what I do. 
with with show Cersei. Lena is so great, and they have stuck with this characterization. It's kind of like Tywin, you know. Yeah. I don't do as good a job of divorcing the Tywin thing in my mind, but with Cersei, I have kind of divorced it, and I kind of accept this show Cersei. I hope that they stick with this through season five. But you know, if you look at it with the show characterization, it is a really great scene. And as always, Peter and Lena are so great playing off one another. Oh, yeah. And the truth of the matter is, I mean, there is something here. It's kind of a little bit, you know, not as explored in the books, but this is true. Cersei does know that Tyrion knows the truth about her and Jamie. And mm-hmm. she has basically no one but Jamie to talk to about that. And Tyrion is someone else that she actually can be not free, but she doesn't have to hide it from Tyrion. It's pretty clear in the books that she knows that Tyrion knows. Jamie and Cersei both know that Tyrion knows. It's just kind of like this thing that they don't talk about, but mm-hmm. everyone knows. And um, it is an interesting dynamic, and I kind of like that they tried to explore it a little bit further. So, I mean, like, I do kind of give them credit for that. It It is a really interesting scene in a show universe, I guess I should say. Good. I accept. <laughs> that good? Was that yeah. positive? That, that was good. That was pretty positive, Chicky. Oh, yeah, it was. Thanks. <laughs> Everyone's just stunned. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, what can you say? I mean, I guess, you know, if you can accept show Cersei, then yes, in the show universe, that, that was a, that was an interesting thing to watch. <laughs> I got YD wrapping her brain around the concept. <laughs> just like, you know, So that's some strides. You know I hear there's a good scene next. Maybe okay. we should move on. So back at Rob's camp, uh, the men are arguing about the Kingslayer. Uh, Brienne tells Catelyn the Kingslayer won't last the night. They are going to get drunk oh, and God. more violent. Can we talk about how that is, like, the worst ADR ever? <laughs> like, did they drop that in totally post-season? They were like, I just thought of the best line. we got to have Brienne say this. And like, they just, like, <laughs> before the air of the episode or what? It was jarringly, like, um, is a different tone or I don't know. Yeah, it was, like, yes, studi- it sounded it so studio. Sound- <laughs> yes, it did. I mean, I'm glad they did it. It's cool. It was It was a really cool, it was a really cool thing to throw in. Uh, so yeah, they're gonna get more drunk and more violent, and then she says, "Who wants to die defending a Lannister?" Uh, oh, Catelyn, uh. <laughs> you do. Anyway, Catelyn goes oh. to Jamie's cage, demands to be left alone with him. Uh, Jamie asks if she's come to say goodbye. He notices Brienne again and says, <laughs> "Is that a woman?" He comments. Say that all I could think about at this part was Aaron Summers. I love your giant lady. Where did she get it? <laughs> um, just to explain, Erin um, has been a guest on this podcast a couple of times. She's uh, Brienne of Tarth on Tumblr, and if you haven't read her summaries, I suggest you check them out because they are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he comments on how Lord Karstark doesn't like him. Turns out it was his son he strangled, which we've already discussed. Uh, any knight would have done the same, he says. She says, you are no knight. You've forsaken every vow you've ever took. We get all this great dialogue from Jamie about vows, which is pretty much straight from the books, but not this part. Anyway, he asks Catelyn, where did you find this beast? interesting use of the word beast uh it's great and i mean as we said just briefly earlier i love that as with the books they're really showing jamie being intrigued by brienne's body from their initial Mm -hmm. meeting you know like even in such a dire situation jamie finds the time to look her up and down and pass comment about how she looks i'm really really pleased with (laughs) it 
Uh, Catelyn says, Brienne is a truer knight than you'll ever be, Kingslayer. And, uh, Jamie says, what a king he was. Damn right, Jamie. Catelyn tells him he has no, um, honor. Jamie counters with, I've only been with Cersei, so in his own way, he's got more honor than poor old dead Ned. Jamie asks about the name of Ned's bastard. Catelyn calls for Brienne. Jamie continues to talk about Jon Snow and Catelyn's hatred for him. The walking, talking reminder that Lord Eddard Stark fucked another woman. Catelyn asks for Brienne's sword. Jamie gives a small grin and a sigh. Mm. That's the end of this that is, scene. I love this scene. This is one of my favourite, um, I guess, Jamie scenes from from the entire show. And it's it's because I think it's it's really quintessential Jamie. You know, it's him using his sarcasm and and baiting people, I guess, to deflect what's actually going on in his mind. You know, Cat causing the Kingslayer and she tells him he's got no honour, so he's going to show her. He, he wants her to hate him. He's got this reputation to uphold, you know. He's to Aerys Targaryen, the sword I shoved in his back. And obviously Jamie wants her to kill him, you know. He knows what's going to happen to him if she doesn't kill him here. So, yeah. you know, he goes on to insult Ned. He brings up Jon Snow. He knows how to get to people, you know. He goes straight for the jugular. So you think he's angry for a quick death? Yeah. Yeah. I love this scene too. And, and it's so funny that it's in this, this episode with him also killing his cousin in this episode, because in the books, when you get to this scene, the scene that, that Jamie and Callan have, and even though they've unpacked it and we've had a little bit of it before this point on the show, um, the inherent honesty that Jamie truly embraces comes out in the scene. It's like, He's not going to lie. It's like, yeah, yeah, I totally fucked my sister. In fact, she's the only woman I've ever been with. And like these things that would be considered emasculating to many men, Jamie totally embraces <laughs> and tells the truth about it. You really see that here. I mean, he just calls the the bullshit out in their entire society in this speech in the books. And I think they did a good job of grabbing some of the really poignant things um, from that speech and, and bringing them to the show. And of course, Nikolai delivers them really, mm. really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of the essence of Jamie here, which is hilarious considering what they did with him. Right. It's such a direct yeah. contrast. The Elton yeah. saying that's ridiculous, but yeah. yeah. And I, I think he's spot on. I think, um, you know, he's got his iconic little monologue in there about so many vows that make you swear and swear. And, there's a reason it's iconic. It really goes a long way to explaining why Jamie is the way he is. And, and because it's true, you know, Westerosi knighthood is, it's kind of based on a foundation of honor and oaths that more often than not ultimately end up conflicting with each other, you know. Mm-hmm. Knights, um, constantly having to make these choices and it's, it's really a no-win situation. If you mm-hmm. obey the king, his wife gets bruised and beaten and raped. If you obey the king, you are going to be you know, watching men be forced to strangle themselves while trying to save their fathers who are being burnt alive. If you obey the king, you, um, sorry, if you obey your father, you defy the king. And if you defy the king, you might save thousands upon thousands of lives, but then you become reviled for it. You know, there's, there's no wonder that Jamie's lost his faith in the concept of honor. Yeah, rightly so. How can you believe in a system of ideals that rewards you for allowing innocent men and, and women and children to be hurt or killed and, you know, condemns you for saving the same innocent people? It's, you're right. I mean, what you can saying is right. Jamie's kind of laying his soul out there for Catelyn to see there in a way. He's laying himself bare. Yeah. 
I was really, I was really, oh, go no, ahead. no, no, Jan, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I really like that they left the fake out in within the books when Catelyn asked mm-hmm. for Brienne's sword. <laughs> she says it in the, in the show and it's a really good fake out because the show is pretty much, that episode's pretty much over with. And mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. say, was this one of those ones whenever they have this episode and then there's like a two week hiatus? Uh, it could oh, have been it? about no more. I, I want- say, yeah, because it's episode seven, isn't it? it usually has mm-hmm. done then. Because, you know, whenever I read the books and even whenever I watched the show, well, I watched the show first. I thought that she was going to have Jamie killed right then and there. Who would blame her? I mean, <laughs> right. in, the, in the book chapter, it does actually end on that note yeah. as well with Cat up exactly. yeah, yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, that's a good catch, Yon. They did actually play that the same. Mm. Well, this scene is actually very, well, I mean, it's very similar to parts of the book chapter because, mm-hmm. as we've said before, the book chapter is actually quite involved and they're sort of scattered bits of it throughout mm-hmm. season two with Jamie and Kat. But yeah, they, they, I think they did it really, they really did it justice. They've really brought out the best of that book scene. It was already fantastic to begin with and, yeah. and Nikolai and, and Michelle obviously. Yeah. Do an amazing job. With mm-hmm. I'm glad they kept so much of that dialogue because I don't know how you could have topped that. You really can't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Theon has returned to Winterfell, um, where he has gathered all the small folk to observe what their disobedience has cost them, and uh, he reveals the remains of two charred figures. Lewin screams, "No!" And that's the end. Yeah, I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I have to commend the writers for the way they're handling Theon's story so far. They, they managed to maintain a good balance between kind of making him loathsome and sympathetic. So, unlike Jamie, <laughs> I think they're doing a pretty, pretty good job with Theon. And it's actually interesting, uh, to note as a comparison, um, in the inside the episode, the showrunners also talk about Theon and they, they mention how he's not unambiguously bad. Um, they talk about his expression when he sees the charred remains of the, the two orphans and how a little piece of him dies at that moment. So it was just interesting to me to see how David and Dan can see the grey in Theon, who is also doing some really awful things, but they kind of refuse to see it in Jamie at this but point. But Jamie's a monster. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So, yeah, uh, this was such a, oh, Lewin was so good in this scene though, too. He's always, uh, I don't know that actor's stand-up. name, but, uh. Uh, yeah. Sumter, yeah. I think it is. Good so, job. I'm not sure. <laughs> I could be here. I don't know. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's so moving and and uh, really well done. I, I, this felt a lot like a lot like the feeling in the books too. I think of yeah. you know you get that feeling of 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 Theon having gone too far and he knows it. So it's it's really good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's going to bring us to the end of recapping this episode of Game of Thrones. Um, but we're going to move from season two all the way to five because we've had a second trailer. No, we skipped the best part. What's that? <laughs> season three. Oh. <laughs> uh, that'll be coming up <laughs> after I- season five. We do things in reverse, scattered no. order. We just do things at random. <laughs> Most random <laughs> podcast ever. Anyway, so yeah, season five, second trailer. Um, I mean, it's like, it's hard to really recap a trailer because it's a whole lot of it's this happened and this happened yeah, and this happened and this happened. Was there anything I mean, that like stuck out? 
Sansa. Well, the big thing is that it clearly Sansa and Littlefinger are going to Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Why is this, this clearly? Season. Um, Why is this clearly? It's clear because we see some Vale soldiers with Sansa and Littlefinger riding through the gates of Winterfell, <laughs> and we see what? Sansa in the crypt of Winterfell. That's mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I was going to ask about the having a really weird dream sequence. That's what I thought mm-hmm. it could be a dream or something. But... <laughs> sure, it's a dream. It's, it's all a dream. Hey, yeah. she had a dream in this episode we just recapped. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> right. But that wasn't something that actually happened. <laughs> okay, so let's, so, let's talk theories, because I know Eon's got a theory, and I've read some really let's interesting theories. Yeah, go on. <laughs> well, I mean, it's pretty much what you've, you've read, I think. I mean, it's, they're streamlining, they're whole, they're cutting out Wyman Manderley. Damn and it. that's why they're putting, they're putting Littlefinger and Sansa there. So and I don't, of, we're not going to get fray pie. I was going to say, instead we'll of fray pie, we're going to get lemon fray cakes. <laughs> 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 I've got to give that one to Guy. Or so what's, the, what's the point of doing this? Like, <laughs> any ideas? Why would they do well, this? Well, I mean, other people are, people are suggesting that maybe Sansa's going to be Ramsay's bride. Ew. And I, I, yeah, I really don't like that. There's some suggestion of her being the Jane Poole substitute somehow. Yeah. I think that they're going to try to pass off Miranda as J- as, as fake Arya. Mm, yeah, I've read that one. I My theory is they're just dropping the whole fake Arya because I think they kind of covered it last year. I mean, Roos just was like, yeah, we've got the North Ramsey. It's ours. So let's go to Winterfell. I don't know <laughs> that they need it in the show. Yeah. But who knows? I don't know. There's There are some rumors. There are some pretty heavy rumors that Sansa is married this season. And, and at this point, I mean, I this whole thing is completely out of left field to me. So I, who knows what they're yeah. doing? Yeah. That's exactly it's it. Really- I'm finding it really difficult to form any kind of valid spec because God knows where the show is going at this point. It's just it's right. too hard <laughs> to guess. What I did find interesting is the shot of Sansa in the crits. Um, mm-hmm. like, I wonder if Perhaps there'll be some sort of focus on Lyanna's tomb. I don't know. And maybe Sansa's going to notice that there's some missing swords, although they haven't really talked about that in the show. So, I don't know. Is Sansa going to come to the conclusion that her two brothers are still alive? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, you guys. I just... It could I don't know. Anything. You know what I liked? Yeah, this. we really don't. We really don't know anything. It it could be another meaningless thing like Craster's Keep, where you know, like you're like, oh, Bran and John are gonna meet, and then they totally don't. Right. So it could just be another near miss, you know, blip. Oh. We just really don't know. We don't, yeah. I, we, have, we have no idea what's going on. I was kind of getting excited about the like quick Bran shots that we got. We got like a, yeah. a few of her. Ooh, like the we one got- where she's in, it's snowing. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a yeah. lot of spec on but, Tumblr, particularly that people are saying that Brand's at the wall, which you know, I don't think no. that's true. Yeah. I, think, look, I don't think I mean, so. Yeah, at the end of Dance, there is snow in both the Riverlands and I think King's Landing. So, yeah, it's not certainly yeah. not in the realm of possibility that, right. that Brand would still be in the Riverlands or in the Vale or wherever. There was that one shot yeah. though too, where it looks like she's back at that inn, um, the crossroads. Mm-hmm. And she's on a horse fighting some other dude. Mm-hmm. Looks like a, I don't know, it looks like a veil soldier. Yeah, on the, that's yeah. Pod standing on the ground. Yes. Yeah, I've seen people speculating that that is Hal Hunt. I that's saw that. Hunter, and I don't <laughs> believe that. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. That's a veil soldier. He's got the veil soldier. Yeah, no, yeah. Unless well, Hal's a veil soldier. They could have made Hal a veil soldier. I was going to say, I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> 
And then he could work <laughs> the angle that he... Done. You know what I also saw someone... You know what I also what? saw someone suggest? And that is that Jamie might just be having a weird dream about Brienne. A weird snowy <laughs> dream of Brienne fondling his sword. <laughs> I agree! <laughs> That's ridiculous. Make it sorry. That's ridiculous. He wakes up in a sand dune. It looks like, it looks like he's in the Riverlands to me just because everything is, a, it has trees in the background, including if you look closely that snow scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she's at the wall, and I don't even think she's in the north. I mean, I'm sure that could happen. Who knows what they're gonna do? I would but kind it's of, not the feeling. Right? I would kind of love it if it was Hyle as a Vale soldier. <laughs> he could work the angle that somehow he's figured out that it's Sansa. That's with Littlefinger. Use that as a bit of temptation to go after Sansa instead. <laughs> I'm totally writing fan fiction right now in my head. I'll stop. <laughs> I was like, well, this is a good fic. Go for it. <laughs> Oh, anything else? Oh, oh, I know what scene that I, oh, I know what scene I thought was cool too is um, there's that shot of Toman as he was going up the stairs and then all those sparrows yeah, block yeah. him. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That aerial view it just was. Yeah, I don't know. Spoilers about this scene last summer, actually, or last year while they were shooting in Croatia, we heard spoilers about this scene happening and. Tommen is trying to go see someone, and he's actually denied access to the Great Sept. I think probably is what's Cersei. Happening there. Yeah, you think it's Cersei? Well, we're not sure if it's Cersei or if it might be Loras or Marjorie. Who knows? It's hard to it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. It's an earlier episode, right. I think. I want to say four, maybe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, who knows? Who knows what's There's... going on? I like <laughs> it's crazy this season. We have no fucking clue. Why is Brienne chopping like, off her sword? No one knows. Yeah, that made no sense. <laughs> right? <laughs> you ruined your pissed. sword, guys. She's pissed. At some mm-hmm. point. <laughs> Maybe someone, you know what? Maybe they're sticking to the book and someone, she just heard someone diss Jamie. Oh. <laughs> yep. Maybe. That would be, that would be great. <laughs> that would be but, really great. Can we also talk about that there looks like there's a scene of Loras possibly being arrested? Mm. I didn't catch oh, yeah. that. Well, you know what? Uh, we've all heard the rumors that some male character is going to die this season, and I'm really worried for Loris right now. Yeah, oh, no. yeah. We well, we had they actually have a picture. We have pictures of when they were filming of Loris being arrested in the street um, when they were filming in Croatia, and then we see this little. It looks like a trial scene or something yes. with um, what's the guy's name? Ol- Oliver, Oliver or something? Yeah, yeah Oliver. The, the, yeah, the prostitute from the brothel that yes. he has been with both Loras and um Oberyn Martell, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he show? was um he was with yeah. Littlefinger, right? When he slept with yep. Loras. Pretty little yeah, blonde gang. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So well, yeah, it looks like maybe yeah, Loras is somehow involved with the the whole Faith Marjorie storyline this season. Yes, I, I do wonder if you know there are accusations against Loras, you know, perhaps sleeping with Marjorie, or I don't know, Could, even in relation to him being gay, since Oliver's there. Yeah, I think I think all of the above is probably on the menu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. We're, we're strangers in a strange land, guys. No, we are in a very strange land. <laughs> Can't be know-it-alls yeah. anymore. Just got to go along with the ride, I nope. think. Yep. I've got to say, one thing I really, really loved about the trailer was seeing the shot of Danny reaching out to Drogon. I, I, I thought that was amazing. I'm not going to lie. The, the oh, whole trailer had this really cinematic feel to it. It was shot really beautifully. 
It was really beautiful. The show looks so amped up this season. Yeah, it really does. And there was a lot of Danny in that trailer. Like, this is going to be the season of Danny. It really is. <laughs> that was my, the impression I got. It even opened with her, her voiceover. You know, I kind of, that part was actually kind of cool where she's, you know, saying Lannister, Baratheon, Stark, mm-hmm. Tyrell, you know, all spokes uh, on a wheel. She skipped a name. She skipped Targaryen. <laughs> the biggest <laughs> move on the wheel. That's well, she's not going to crush the, she's not going to crush the Targaryens though. Because she's talking about crushing No, them. I meant, the, the spokes on the wheel crushing, crushing the little people of Westeros. She forgot yeah, the oh, sugar. I see what you did there. Sorry, that <laughs> okay, so I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Done with the uh, trailer discussion. All right, let's go to the thank yous. If we have any. Eon, is that you? We do. We do. Yeah, we got like three. Our first one's from Coralie through the looking glass. Cora. She says, where my boat's at might be the greatest <laughs> thing this podcast has introduced me so far. Thanks for the link. You can thank, thank Guile and Guile. for that. And yes. Jess and I are really thanking her because <laughs> we cannot get that damn song out of our heads. Where my boat's, where my, boats, where my dragon's at. <laughs> all right. We did get an email from Doxa and it says, hi, all. I've been listening to the podcast for a few weeks now, and I absolutely love it. I'm an avid fan of Jamie and Brienne, and it was amazing to find a podcast themed around them. You all are so funny and incredibly thoughtful, and listening brings a smile to my face. I've tried listening to you all once while going to bed, but it didn't work out very well because I was so engaged in listening, (laughs) and I kept snickering and laughing and probably drove my husband nuts. (laughs) I'm so happy there are so many for me to listen to because they make chores around the house much more tolerable. The only downside is that I'm I'm listening at such a fast rate, and I don't want to catch up. I look forward to regular regularly bombarding you lovelies with thoughts and praise. I'm not sure if you're still looking for guests, but I'd happily volunteer as tribute if need ever arose. Keep up the wonderful podcast, and thank you so much for filling my dishwashing and laundry sorting with Mm. uncontrollable giggles. Much love. Aw, Doxy, you can bombard us with praise any day, baby. Looking forward to (laughs) being bombarded. That was really, really lovely. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. <laughs> and, and last, <laughs> we got an iTunes review. Yay! Titled, <laughs> is it from yes. the UK? <laughs> I don't Better know, but it, it looks like it's from Jesus. Oh, it's it's not female Jesus. Jesus female time. Jesus. It, we we like Jesus. we like female Jesus. <laughs> this yes. is from Jesus Ali, and it's titled Unlistenable. Oh, that sounds, that sounds good. Let me read on, Eon. It's, we got, I guess, how many stars we got? We only got one star this time. Oh, 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 oh no. Oh, the shame. Says, the shame. You, you ready? You ready for this? I'm ready. No. Bring it. Hurry up and gather all the fucking chickens in the room, cause you're gonna need them. <laughs> this podcast is five or six ladies squawking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> what is, what the fight? You ready? Yes. One, one or two of the voices is British. At least one is Cockney. 
What is company or something similar? Hey, Whitey, you really, you really need to come clean about this. Guys, she's not really Australian. What? Who's the Cockney accent? Is that you, Eon? I'm pretty sure it's one of you two. Sometimes they all get loud and body and talk over each other and often they get bigger and giggle. To be fair, he's... I can say the time. To be fair, he's got a point there. I mean, you can't say, argue that. The behaving now is a prime example of this. <laughs> right. If you are a fully spoiled book reader who is also a body woman, this may be the perfect Game of Thrones podcast to listen to while you're getting your Ren Fair bodice girdle laced up. <laughs> Aside from being audibly unappealing to me, the ladies did, in fact, seem to be smart and well-informed. Well, that was kind of oh, nice, I suppose. Grandpa. Now I'll get back into the kitchen and make the sandwich. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you go do the dishes, little lady. Oh, God. I feel like a place now, you guys. I'm off to the Ren Fair. Um, see you guys later. Yes. Uh, I'll get it. Do you need me to help you lace up your girdle? Yes, please, Ian. <laughs> Can you do it with a Cockney accent? Well, oh, that right there was a rotten and unfair assessment tip, was it was? <laughs> oh, I disagree, I do, I do. Oh, God. <laughs> what an asshole. Anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, let's... Sorry, now that we've ended the episode on such a high note, um... Oh, I love you guys. Aww. Love you. Let's go to the Ren Fair, guys. The Ren Fair. I'm ready. Let's gather all the chickens. Let's go to the Ren Fair. I'm almost afraid to ask... I'm almost afraid to ask for iTunes reviews after that. (laughs) Only leave us a review if it's for us or a and please leave your fantasies out of it if it's about us getting in our corsets for the Ren Fair. <laughs> and keep those to yourself. <laughs> All right. So if you do want to send us a message, you can at close the door and at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at door podcast. Um, I guess like and review us on iTunes. Unless you're that guy, you can fuck right <laughs> off. Um, we're also available at Close the Door and Come Here on Tumblr. Um, and, oh, we're asking that you send us some Season 5 speculations and questions so that we can start compiling oh, totally. those for a special app that we're planning. Okay, yes, that's it. That was fun. <laughs> that was really fun. <laughs> so fresh and so feisty. Sorry, have feisty. A, have a good one. And, Bye, guys. Oh, what's that? Body. You're gonna have to change it so fresh and so bawdy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm good one, guys. Uh, Bye, everyone. Bye. See ya. Bye. <laughs>